You are listening to a True Crime Shorts episode. Hello, everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Annie. And this is Gail. You're listening to Heroes. And Zeros. A True Crime Podcast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Annie. Yeah, hi. You look so stinking cute today. Uh, You really do. I can't. You do. (laughs) You look so cute, but I've got some fun things to tell you. Oh, yay. So, in an episode or two ago, not last episode, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about summertime, Yeah, and I really don't know how we came up with this, but someone told me, oh, I heard that on your podcast, and we were talking about summertime and summertime treats, and then there's this little town by our lake home that has a dairy shop that has all these yummy dairies, and Uh so... I'm standing in there. My best friend came to visit. And right. I'm standing in there. And all of a sudden, it hit me. I'm like, Annie told me we should try this thing. I go, I don't know. It's like half slushy, half vanilla ice cream. And I've heard it's really good. And the little sweet girl at the counter goes, a whip. And I go, yeah, that's what she called it. She goes, that's what it's called. And it's half a slushy and half vanilla ice cream. And I'm like... It sounds amazing. And I go, but we'd already ordered our little desserts, you uh-huh. know. And it she really goes, is amazing. And she goes, I'll make you guys one if you want to try it. Oh. And we're like, okay. So she goes, there's cherry, grape, blah, 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 blue raspberry. So we did a blue raspberry. That's what I always get. And vanilla ice cream. Mm-hmm. So you've got a slushy and the ice cream and you mix it and it's called a whip. Yeah, it's like 50 I'm telling you. Isn't that so good? Annie, it was uh, so unbelievable. Abby and I could not believe it. I know. And it felt, re- and it was refreshing. It exactly. It was like lighter than the old ice cream. Than just ice cream or just a malt. Or, it just was so good. And more satisfying than a slushy. Yes. So I want to say thank you to you, Annie, for well, introducing so us to the whip. Guess where I'm going after this then. I know, right? And then um, that's, and somebody goes, so yeah, I heard that on your podcast. So we must have talked about it. So anyway, what I'll do to our listeners is I did take a picture of that whip oh good and uh yeah. of course you can't taste it but i can tell you it was so yummy so my mouth is watering because i can taste it in i know my right mind. <laughs> so if you're thinking mm, i'd love some ice cream and something to eat let's kill your appetite and talk about true crime there you go let's do that <laughs> instead <laughs> Anyway, thanks again, Annie, for that. Let's get well, you're started. So welcome. I am so excited today because Annie, what? you know, just when you think that your podcast may not be making a difference in people's lives, you realize we are making a difference what? because guess what? What? Uh a suspect in one of the cases we discussed it um and and covered yeah. has now been found and charged. All because of us. No, I'm kidding. To our <laughs> listeners, <laughs> I'm sure they're like, we've never even heard of this damn podcast. You didn't even cover that, um, lady. But we covered this story. Really? Which one is it? Do you remember Brittany Drexel? Yes. So Brittany, to remind our listeners, I um, can't remember which episode it was, but Brittany was the young girl that I reported on. She had left her mom, her, her, she had asked her mom if she could go on a spring break. And right, to right, Myrtle right. Beach. And her family, her mom was like, no, she had this premonition that something would happen. And so she yes. lied and told her mom she was just going to away to some friends. She didn't tell her, I'm really going to spring break. It's episode 28. Okay, episode 28. Brittany Drexel. Brittany Drexel. <laughs> <laughs> A little dyslexia it's there. It's morning this morning. Yeah. Uh, it's morning this morning. Anyway. <laughs> this morning is very morning. And so Brittany, unfortunately, when she went on spring break, you know, 
we have video where we see her for the last time in a hotel. Mm-hmm. There were lots her of mom, suspicions, and right? Her mom was, yeah, because nobody she, really knew exactly what happened to her. Right. And on top of it, you know, her mom had had a bad feeling and yeah. then didn't even know her daughter was gone and she got a call saying her daughter's missing. And by then it was too late. Right. So probably. it was so sad. So what so, did we learn? Yes. What so happened? she, investigators, they said that um, the team, by the way, she vanished in 2009. So okay. never give up hope. Right. Yeah. So she vanished um, and she was found in South Carolina. They believe that she was killed before being buried uh, in April 26th of, of 2009. So authorities in South Carolina have recovered a long missing remains of Brittany Drexel. As we talked about, she's a yeah. 17-year-old New York girl who vanished while on a 2009 spring break trip to Mineral Beach. Georgetown County Sheriff Carter Weaver... No, no relation, relation. No. <laughs> announced during a Monday press conference that her body was found on May 11th and that the police have charged 62 year old Raymond Moody with murder. Was he that? Was he the uncle? Oh, we don't know. I'm just trying to remember the case. Remember, there was someone sitting in the living room at his house, and while well, she was getting raped, they thought. Yes, I don't think. I don't, I don't think, think it's that was him. Anything? Yeah. Okay. Sixty-two years old. What was he doing with a teenage girl on spring break? I'm not sure we know all of that yet, right? But that they have a suspect who's been arrested. Remember, she did walk though somewhere. So yeah. did she get? Did she decide to take a ride? Right. Right. So, Anyway, um, her parents were present during the police announcement on Monday, and they said this is truly a mother's worst nightmare, Don Drexel told the reporters. Mm -hmm. I'm mourning my beautiful daughter today, as I have for the last 13 years. We are much closer, though, to the peace that I have been hoping for. Right. Now, in addition to the murder charge, Moody is also charged with kidnapping and, unfortunately, sexual misconduct. Now, Officer Weaver said that his officers, you know, obviously we all mourn and pray with you and as you cope Mm -hmm. with the tragedies of 13 years ago and our hearts go out to you. So his crimes, it seems, uh, this Moody, this guy, uh, Mr. Moody, took place on April 25th of 2009. And we'll put a picture up of him. He does, for 62-year-old, looks fit and evil. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he looks fit. He has like one eye open and one eye isn't. He I, just, I'm wondering if he's missing an eye. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, he, but it makes him look even more sinister. Right? Yeah. So they said that Moody now is in custody on a $100,000 bail since May 4th. You know, he had been identified as a possible person of interest clear back in 2012. Yeah, so it was so, so sad. So he was on the radar then, huh? He was, he was. But it, again, it just reminds you, investigations don't always happen like a dateline or 48 hours and button up in an hour, right? They can take mm-hmm. years and years. And he Well, said, that's when they end up on 48 hours. Right, exactly. And so we'll be looking probably for Britney's. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they said they identified her remains through dental records. And now they didn't say what the cause of death was. Um, and they didn't take questions from reporters. Speaking at the, the press conference, the Myrtle mm-hmm. Beach police chief, her name is Amy Prock. She said that finding Britney's remains was obviously bittersweet um, as they were hoping for a happier ending right as a reminder to our listeners drexel was a high school student we know she left her hometown remember it was chile chile new york yeah Yeah. and went to myrtle beach her parents had no idea she was traveling that far i guess as a parent i mean that would be your worst nightmare but i i think even worse would be to never find her to go your whole life not knowing not knowing at all i agree so i agree i mean I'm, i'm sure they would have hoped that after 13 years she's turned up 
somewhere, but what she would have had to endure for those 13 years also would be too horrific to even think about as a mama. Yeah. And the mom says, you know, I didn't know she was going. And she previously told us, you know, when we first reported on this, that the day she left, she was angry with me because she asked me if she could go. I told her no. And there's no adults going. I have no idea who these kids are and I don't feel comfortable. I told her that I just felt that something was going to happen to her. Oh, my gosh. And, of course, we know that she was last seen on that surveillance video leaving that hotel, Beachfront Hotel in Myrtle Beach. So, um, it Mm. is... Amazing. Now, we did find out that Moody is a registered sex offender who spent 21 years in prison following a 1983 abduction and rape case in California involving a nine-year-old girl. And he's now being held with no bond, by the way. They've changed that. He's not entered any pleas. Uh, We don't know if he even has an attorney. This is just really breaking news. So, um, Right. So I hope that we... Because remember when you had... When you covered the case... We were talking about the girls that went with her or that invited her along. And, and so she far, didn't really know them very well. Right, she didn't know them yep. and they were nice to her until they got there. And then she, or they were kind of bullying her and ignoring her and excluding her. So it, she was on her own, which means if she was uh, prime. But wouldn't it be ironic if all of that was just coincidence. I think it is. That none of it was even related and how we look into things or look at things sometimes. It is crazy. And that's why there's so many people in prison that are innocent. Right. Because circumstantial evidence builds up so much that we're sure that's yeah. who did it. Right. And and you know what? The real killer is laughing, right? So, yeah. yeah well, they always crazy. say there's no coincidences, but I think sometimes there really are so many. So, again, we pray for Brittany's family and that they've now gotten the closure they deserve. And let's hope that mm-hmm. uh, we'll keep following the story to find out what are the details? What yeah. do we think really happened? So mm-hmm. stay tuned. Now I have another one also. Again, a bittersweet success story. I'm not sure that we've covered this on the show, okay. but I'm pretty sure that our listeners have heard of this before. How many of you remember it was uh, these two girls, young girls in um, like te- preteens in Indiana and um, they were walking and they disappeared, but they found cell phone video of a man that's like part of a man, a heavier set man, or, you know, uh, more of a just a, let's be honest, as mm-hmm. we get older, we put on, our metabolism slows and our weight comes on. So let's just <laughs> say it's a normal man. And um, he says down here. And so there's video that these girls, I don't know if you remember these two girls. Were they cousins? Yes. And they were like on, they were just out in the woods and playing. Were they like a couple years apart? Yes. And they were, and there's a video that they found that this guy says, well, guess what? It's unbelievable. The man who owned the land were these teenage victims. And by the way, this was Delphi, Indiana. D-E-L-P-H-I. Because I remember thinking Delphi, like like the fraternity. Yep. Delphi, Indiana. And the girls, by the way, their names were Abby Williams and Libby German. Okay. And so the man who owned the land were the teenage victims, these young ladies, um, were found. You know, we know they may have recorded that voice by the girls before uh-huh. you know they passed and maybe it was an accident maybe they knew you know to try to get a recording but the fbi search warrant disclosed that ron logan and ron logan seems to be the man who owned the property 
where these murder victims, where these girls were found. You know, remember that right. we heard him say. I remember hearing that down name. the hill, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so Ron Logan, it disclosed that he couldn't definitely be ruled out as the man saying down the hill to Abby and Libby. Um, however. Some really crazy things are going on that we've never heard in this story. So, first of all, Logan died in 2020 and was never formally named as a suspect in the February 17 murders. Mm -hmm. However, on Wednesday, just this last week, it emerged that uh, the girls were found covered in blood. So, they've never told us any details. And they actually say that they were found with significant blood loss. Uh, I think they call it a bloodbath. But they had already found their bodies, right? Yes. But, but now we, just the details are coming out because closed. of this video. Right. Well, no, we've known they have the video. So oh. let's back up. So they found the bodies and uh-huh. we knew they have the video, but they've never disclosed what happened to the bodies right. or any other details. So why are they disclosing it well, now? listen to You're this. You're going to tell us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Again, maybe the guy who owns the land, maybe not. Listen to all this. So okay. first of all... Um, as I said, they were found covered in blood, mostly a, a bloodbath, and that their killer, um, the search warrant said, took a twisted souvenir. We've heard about this before, right. right? And so they were found again on that hiking trail in Indiana. Large loss of loss of blood, um, um, and it does not note in the report how the girls had been wounded. But there were no signs of a struggle or fight. And the warrant was obtained by Murder Sheet Podcast. Shout out to Murder Sheet Podcast, another podcast. Yay. And the Indianapolis Fox 59. Um, It really, again, offered no other information on the weapon or the cause of death. um, Because they had never, police had never disclosed that the two friends, um, uh, how they died being stalked by this killer on this hiking trail, right? Let alone this information that it was a bloody crime scene and these gruesome details. So the killer um, likely got victims' bloods on his clothes. Although no one has ever been charged yet with the double homicide, we do have some suspects. Now, it's weird, though, because then they say, but in February, they know who killed the girls, but they have insufficient evidence to make an arrest. So it just goes back and forth. We don't know. We do know. We don't know. We do know. It's well, and then they can't make an arrest because Ron Logan's dead. If I mean, it can't well, be Ron. Well, if it's that guy, if, right? That's what I mean. They can't make an arrest if it's him. Well. So the fact that they say that. Yeah. And here's the thing is, unfortunately, like I said, the killer took a souvenir from their corpses to provide a warped memento of this appalling crime. Even though, again, the warrant does not say what the souvenir was. I was just going to ask. Although it did say that the rest of the girl's clothing um, was recovered, implying that the killer had taken something they'd been wearing also. Right. Well, and they we say the rest, guess what right? That is. And sickeningly, the murder staged the girls' bodies in a particular way after killing them, although it remains unclear exactly how he did this. Again, Annie, we've heard this. You've just mm-hmm. reported on some of these things. Right. Like horrible people staging bodies. Right. Um, and it's always in a sexually explicit way to make it so shocking for the person finding him. Right. So you well, can just guess what that is. And again, we don't know how they were staged, but they believe that he took photographs or videos were likely shot in some particular way after the killing, although it remains unclear how he did this. So Mm. really weird. And that he did this uh, grotesque setup to memorialize the crime scene and take these videos of it, Mm -hmm. right? 
And so the warrant had probable cause to then search the property of this Ron Logan. But again, Ron has passed by now. He was the owner of the land where the girls' uh, bloodied bodies were found. Um, And they were found, by the way, it was about 1,400 feet from his house. Okay. Okay. And by the way, Logan was arrested shortly after the killings, but he was never charged. And like I said, died in 2020. He was a, this is so funny, he was a habitual track traffic offender who served time behind bars for his crimes. Um, But then they go on to say, we're searching his house. He's not a suspect. So it's just so interesting that it's on his land. Again, which could totally be a setup because then you'd be like, oh, well, somebody else was blamed for it. Well, if it's near the trails. Right. Depends if there's tons of weeds, it's overgrown. Maybe the place might even look abandoned. It was crazy. It was crazy. I think it's very interesting when they said I I laughed at the habitual traffic offender because (laughs) I I once was a habitual traffic offender. Me too. And they actually (laughs) called me that and took my license and da da da. That's a whole other funny story. Uh, It's pretty funny actually. It's just crazy because we know Uh they had, and by the way, from what I also hear, that audio and video was just a brief snippet of the man saying down the hill because the full clip is actually 43 seconds long. Oh wow. But the content are believed to be too disturbing to share in full. Okay, so th- obviously they know a lot more than what they're telling us, and so bingo. Hopefully, we're going to be hearing a lot more details. Well, keep so that there's an answer. Hold soon. on, though. Okay. The voice in the clip was described as not being. Uh, it's not inconsistent with that of Logan. Um, again, just so hard to decide. So. They had that probable cause to search the property of Logan, including his house, outbuildings, his car, anything that may be linked to the murders, including bodily fluids, hairs, guns, cutting instruments. They wanted to check for cameras or anything where photos or videos could be stored. His voice is not inconsistent, meaning it was consistent, right, of the person in the video, but he was not known, and he was known to, to own, you know, numerous handguns and knives. And that he lied. It also, the warrant reveals that he lied about his alibi to police, noting that he had told investigators on the day of the murder on February 13th that a friend had picked him up and driven him to a store between 2 and 2.30. Logan reached out to family members the following morning on February 14th and asked them to tell police about his trip the previous day and to say that he returned home between 5 and 5.30 p.m. Okay, that's majorly suspicious. The family member... I want to hang my hat on that. Uh-huh. The family member Logan asked to lie for him told police Logan's lie then in March of 2017. So this was not long after. I mean, the girls were murdered in 2017. And then two days later, he did admit that he lied because Logan asked him to, and he had never asked him to lie in the past, da 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 da, da. Mm. So anyway, it, uh, they said they noted that he had asked members to lie for him before there was even a suspect, right? So that's... Yeah. Gosh. And then the warrant also wrote that Logan made statements that were found to be factually false and intentionally designed to deceive. Now, a search of his property in March of 17 turned up a receipt timestamped 521 from a town 30 minutes from his house, making his return home at the time he reported in his alibi very doubtful. And cell phone data also received that Logan to be in Delphi near... The Monon High Bridge, where the girls went missing on their afternoon mm-hmm. of the disappearance. In April of 17, he was arrested after he, he confessed to violating a parole related to several traffic violations. Mm-hmm. Then, though, 
right after that, another man was named a suspect, Keegan Klein. Keegan was named a possible suspect in the girl's murder. Now, he's from Peru, Indiana, age 27, and he has said to have admitted he was talking to Libby using a fake Instagram profile called Anthony Shots. Again, kids, parents, please watch what your kids are talking to on Instagram and what they're doing. But there was somebody used a fake Instagram profile who was talking to this Libby. So there's also a suspect, the Mm -hmm. suspected pedophile we suspect this guy is, that we know who is heavy and he's was pasty-faced. He used an image of like some ripped muscular man to trick underage girls and into speaking And how old were these him. girls again? I don't uh, remember. I think 13 and 14. Okay. But here's where, again, so suspicious. Klein is said to have arranged to meet Libby on the Delphi High Bridge that day. Um, and actually the day before she was murdered. Okay. But he's also said to have shared his Anthony Schott's passwords with others, including his father, and said his dad could be a prime suspect in the killing. So let's just, oh, wow. right? Let's just put let's, it on our dad. Let's accuse our father. Right, exactly. And he is being held in jail after being arrested on separate child porn charges in 2020. Oh my gosh. Again, neither he or his father have been arrested over this, and police continue to investigate. So, so circumstantial evidence can be given or applied to both people, exactly. Logan and this Keegan well, dude. Listen to this. So, Keegan Klein, he's of Peru, Indiana, 27, right he admitted talking to Libby using that fake profile we talked about how his dad could be the prime suspect Mm -hmm. and how he's being held in jail well guess what there's another one James Chadwell the second James Chadwell he's 43 he was added as a suspect in 2021 after he was arrested and convicted for luring a nine-year-old girl to his home where he has sexually assaulted and strangled her in his basement 20 miles from where Abby and Libby were murdered the girl survived, and Chadwell is serving 90-year sentence for the attack. But in the interview in Daily Mail in 2021, Chadwell's brother characterized him as being pure evil and more than capable of the Delphi murders. Now, authorities have not released connection between them, but he is a suspect. It remind- an- oh, sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say, it reminds me of the case that I covered of Mark Ivonitz, where that town kept having all these suspects that were just coming out of the word work and crawling away with these children and because you're looking for them. I think what's sad about it is that there's unfortunately a lot of bad people in the world. I exactly. think there's more good but a lot of bad. Yeah. Here's another suspect, Thomas Bruce. Oh my Thomas goodness, Bruce one. <laughs> is a former pastor who was charged with fatally shooting a woman and sexually assaulting two others at a Catholic supply store in St. Louis, Missouri. That's awful. That's awful. He's a former pastor, sexually assaulted, shot and sexually assaulted people at a Catholic supply store. Oh if my that goodness. doesn't make you go to hell, I don't know what does. Jeepers. Um, but he was noted, this Bruce guy, Thomas Bruce, was noticed for having a similar stature to the man seen in the Delphi video. And he also wore similar clothes during his St. Louis crime as the man in the video. He just doesn't seem like the right profile, though. Uh, I, I don't know. He, because you they know, did I have, look into him. I'm an expert on this, you know, because... <laughs> <laughs> so he, they looked in it. No crimes have been handed down. He is serving already a life sentence, obviously, in St. Louis. How about another suspect, Charles Eldridge? He was arrested in Union City, Indiana in 2019 after he arranged to meet somebody he thought was a teenage girl for sex. 
He was charged with child molestation and was linked to the Delphi murders because of his long, strong resemblance to the man in the Delphi video. He fits the profile. And more. a preliminary police sketch investigators had, you know, first uh, uh-huh. circulated. And police said they finally did vote rule him out. So he, he's oh. not a suspect anymore. Hmm. Um, and then John Miller. John Miller, age 63, he was arrested in 2018 for a 1988 cold case. Good oh, grief. Right. A 1988 cold case rape and murder of an eight-year-old girl. Her name was April Tinsley. He oh, lived, I remember that. Yeah. And Miller lived just two hours from Delphi at the time of his arrest. Mm-hmm. And in the years before his arrest, Miller had left numerous notes in public places saying the killer of Tinsley would drive, would strike again. That's so scary, though. He killed this wow. little girl and then left notes. And so he goes, I killed eight-year-old April Marie Tinsley. I will kill an- again. One note was found in 1990. Um, again, no charges have been issued, but he's a suspect, which, again, crazy. And then final suspect, Daniel Nations. He is a registered Indiana sex offender. He was arrested in Colorado in September of 17 after threatening hikers with a hatchet. It was also reported that a cyclist was murdered on the same trail around the same time Nations was threatening the hikers. He was connected to the Delphi murder because of the similarities between the crimes. And because, again, he bore a strong resemblance to the preliminary police sketch. Guys, I want to remind you, though, total circumstantial. A lot of men look like that video and that police sketch. So, wow. at the end of the day, are we any closer to who did it? No. But there's now, we found out details. Number one, we never knew these girls were in a bloodbath. We didn't know they were posed. We didn't know they had something taken from them as mementos. Well, the fact that they were posed, to me, that would reveal that they were more than just a crime of opportunity for someone that they'd done this before. We know we're not going to get a good news because we know the girls have, you know, obviously been murdered. Mm-hmm. But we can only hope that we get peace for we their w- family. We want an answer. Yep, absolutely. Well, thanks for covering that or for, you know, giving us those updates. Wow. There are a lot of crazy people. Doesn't it make you wonder why there are so many sex offenders out there? What is it? that causes that is it a a brain malfunction is it something with the frontal lobe is it the development of a pituitary gland you know i mean seriously it'd be nice to know to find out i think uh, that there's some sort of discovery as to why let's hope there is i have a feeling though unfortunately that it's hereditary and that it's passed down from family to family generation to generation and yeah, because if it, ha- it seems like half of the cases, environmental issues that are going on. But here's the but other, the other case, half, though. Mm-hmm. And is it is it men who sexually abused and men have trouble sharing their feelings? And so they become abusers? Because I can tell you, I know we've shared this before. We've both had abuse as children. Mm-hmm. And I have n- no desire. No, <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's what I'm saying. So right. why is it that... We aren't sexual predators when others who have abused are. So that's what I don't understand. I I think it it has to be some sort of a hormonal thing also that kind of controls it. Because, you know, think of men with testosterone and... Versus women. Because mostly men go to war just by nature. And women are more nurturing. Yeah. I mean, it's not 100%, but obviously, usually a mom and dad household, like the dad's always stricter and the mom is, you know, way too lenient. And, and that's why that balance 
works for the most part. But there are crazy women out there. Fred and Rose right. West. There's a lot of crazy women too, but I mean, it goes. But yeah, it just the majority is, are men. Unfortunately, there are. You just have to be diligent to realize that um, mm-hmm. there's not always good people around. So, next one. You ready for the next I'm one? I'm ready. Okay, so ready. I'm going to take us back in history before I bring us forward on this next okay, story. Okay, you do that. I don't know if you have ever heard of uh, the boy in the box. No, I've heard of the girl in the box. Well, we're uh, the, the boy in the box. So, 60 years ago... This Keepers. happened. And we're no closer to uncovering this murder and mystery today, just so you know. Here's a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. It all began on a freezing February day in 1957. It was the year our husbands were born. Yes, it was. And on a roadway just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. uh, there was a man who was checking his traps. He was a young muskrat hunter. Mm -hmm. You know, muskrat feeling, muskrat love. Do a little dance. Okay. Anyway. um, (laughs) Love it. I love the, I love muskrat love. Uh, by Captain and Tennille. Gosh, I haven't heard that song for years. Come on over to my house. I have it on 45 record. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this young um, hunter, he came across a cardboard box in the woods and the body of a little child who was stripped naked and mangled was found within it. The muskrat hunter kept his secret to himself. He was afraid that if he told anyone, the cops would come after him for his unlawful trap. So until a braver soul discovered him, the boy's body sat cold and rotting in the woods for days. The kid was between the ages of three and seven, and he had been mistreated horribly. Mm. He appeared weak, malnourished, and unkept. His hair had been chopped shortly before he died, and clumps of it stuck to his body. Oh, geez. Small scars covered his entire body, particularly on his foot, groin, and chin. Only one modest act of kindness had been shown to the kid who had been left alone in a box. He had been wrapped in a blanket and left to rot by whoever had slain him. It was the only sign of affection he'd received. Mm. I guess wrapping in a blanket. The police took the boy's fingerprints in the hopes of discovering a match, Mm -hmm. but nothing was ever found. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of thousands of flyers were sent around the neighborhood requesting information about this unnamed boy, but no one responded. The parents never claimed him as one of their children. The -hmm. investigators did everything they could to solve the case. They looked at everything from the cardboard box to the blanket he was wrapped in at the crime site, every trail they took. However, each one led to a fresh, dead end. One of America's most famous murders has remained unsolved for more than 60 years. Nobody knows who the youngster was or how he wound up nude and mutilated in a box in the woods. Tragically, after all these years, the world will probably never even learn the name of America's most unknown child. Mm-hmm. So the reason I found this story is, and literally, I don't even know how I found it. Let's be honest with that. Because a most current one 
came up just recently. A boy in a suitcase. Oh, gosh. Indiana officials. Indiana again. Well, so yeah, so Pennsylvania for the box, Indiana for this, but our last story is Indiana, right? right. Yeah. And there was a lot of suspects in Indiana. What's going on in Indiana? Indiana. Gary, Indiana, Indiana. All right, so Indiana officials are still trying to identify a child whose body was found last month inside of a suitcase in this heavily wooded area of southern Indiana. The Indiana State Police in Sellersburg are asking the public's help to identify a child. The Indiana State Police in Sellersburg are asking for the public's help to identify the child who is described as a black between five to eight years old, about four feet tall with a slim build and short haircut. Police have said the child died at some point within the week prior to his body being discovered. Now, an autopsy uh, covered conducted just last month in April did not provide any answers to the child's cause of death. However, police are hopeful that the pending toxology report will Mm -hmm. offer more information and hopefully lead us in the right direction to solve this. And this was uh, Sergeant Carrie Holes with the Indiana State Police. He told this to CNN. The child's body was found inside of a hard shell suitcase with a distinctive Las Vegas design on the front and back. It's the Welcome to Las Vegas sign. State police were called to investigate after an area resident who was mushroom hunting discovered the suitcase on April 16th, just last month, and immediately called 911. Polls told the CNN affiliate Wave 3 that the integrity of the investigation is of utmost, adding that unless we can determine the releasing information is going to help the investigation versus hinder it, that's what we have to go by right now. Mm -hmm. So the investigation is not precluding anything. He added that the child could be from any part of the world as far as we're concerned. Right. State police detectives are leading the investigation, and the uh, department established a toll-free line for the case, which has received about 500 to 1,000 calls, according to them. They hope that the image of the suitcase will lead to tips that help them identify the the child. Mm -hmm. We will absolutely be putting that picture of that suitcase on our, our website or on our Facebook page and Instagram pages. We're getting a lot of people on the internet searching for missing children, which is not what we need right now. So if you are thinking, oh, well, then I'll go out and look at what missing children could be a black little boy um, between five and eight years old, right? Don't do that. He goes, that's not what we need right now because we're getting a lot of calls saying, here's this missing child. Well, we're already in touch with these agencies. We know who's missing and not missing, and we're checking in with them. None of the agencies have a match at this time. So they're not, this isn't a child listed on the missing child's registry. Oh. That's, so, so, so again, it's just like the boy in the box. Yeah. Nobody knows who this child is. To me, that implies if the parent hasn't reported their child missing, is the parent involved? You know what I mean? It could be a human trafficking situation. But why wouldn't parents report their child missing, though? For, you know? He could be from another country. Yeah, I mean, that would be the thing, the only thing I could think of. I just don't know how you land up in Indiana. I was just thinking, though, as opposed to the boy in the box, that hopefully there's going to be some sort of forensic evidence found, even if there's not a match to anything yet, whereas the boy in the box, they wouldn't have known in 1957 to take a, a sample of an oily 
thing found on a piece of cardboard and put it in an evidence bag, you know, where hopefully there's more of a chance to finding the perpetrator of this guy, this little boy. Well, I just wanted our listeners to know this because they're really looking for people who may have firsthand knowledge that could lead to the child, invest, you know, their identification. Do we have a picture? We do. What? Oh, well, we don't. No, because all would have to all be would be is, the deceased picture. Right. All we have so, is the suitcase, right? Oh, so, man. again, if you live around Indiana or anywhere that you've heard of a little child that you know is missing or if you've heard of it or or you know that gosh there used to be a child here now there's not needless mm-hmm. to say that anyone with information that could help identify this boy is really urged to call the toll-free tip number and again you could always call 911 and they're gonna uh, get you to the mm-hmm. right police station do you have and the all number that. but i do here it is all right one eight 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 four three seven six four three two again it's one eight 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 four three seven Six four three two. Awesome, thank you. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I don't want this to turn into a cold case. So right. we have a boy in a box and a boy in a suitcase that are never found. Yeah, and it just, just makes so me so sad. I just want to take that little boy and say, "Here, let me show you some love." Mm-hmm. It just makes me so sad. Me too. Poor little guy. Okay, Annie, one last story for this uh, True Crime Shorts Alrighty. episode. What is it? And this one is just kind of freaky because our world is changing. And part of the world changing is our environment, our, our climate is changing. Mm-hmm. And who knows if it's climate change or if this is just natural world uh, turnover that we have no records for. So we just don't know. But what we do know is, unfortunately, our friends and family and acquaintances and people we don't know in the Southwest are in a bad situation. Number one, we know there's some fires coming through that are Mm -hmm. pretty dangerous in the uh, Arizona, New Mexico area. But there's also some really bad drought conditions going on. And and um, um, part of the big drought re- conditions um, have really caused some things to pop up. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> um, I'm looking at her with my mouth hanging open. Right. Because um, chances are, uh, so just a changing climate is really revealing decades old items that once uh, were submerged in lakes or buried in glaciers including human remains right uh-huh. for forensic anthropologists who are tasked with retrieving items um, a warming world may mean more discoveries unveiled by receding water and ice and it also means recovering victims of climate change so, you've heard of Lake Mead? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Lake Mead is desperately in a drought. Yeah. And on Sunday afternoon, boaters made a grim discovery along the shoreline of Nevada's Lake Mead. Uh, Mead, human remains inside a rusty barrel. Oh, my gosh. More bodies they plan could turn up, given that the water levels have receded to historic lows amid the climate change-fueled drought. Or is it just the world turnover drought? 
However, whatever it is. Um, Too deep for me. Yeah. All right. Um, this is so unbelievable. Now, mm-hmm. according to Jennifer Burns, a forensic anthropologist that mm-hmm. consults with Clark County Coroner's Office, she says, I would expect human remains of missing persons will probably be revealed over times as the water levels continue to recede. Lake Mead, of course, is one of the country's largest water reservoirs, providing water to some 25 million people. Wow. By the way, from dead people, um, but water levels at Lake Mead have plunged 150 feet since 2000. Oh my God. I was going to say this place must, or that, this place, this lake must be super deep. It's massive deep at 150 feet since 2000. I mean, it just shows you we are in a crisis situation of a drought. According to Southern Nevada Water Authority, wow. the water level dropped 1,055 feet above sea level last week, the lowest level since 1937. Jeepers. Right? Um, Las Vegas police said that Tuesday they believed that skeletal remains were of a homicide, homicide victim who died of a gunshot wound. Um and the Las Vegas Review Journal has been a part of this also. And they said, though the victim's identity is still unknown, they were wearing clothes and shoes that dated back to the 1970s. The barrel was likely dropped hundreds of yards off the shore back then. And the area is now, though, considered a shoreline. Wow. Right? 1970s are notorious for serial killer days. Uh, right? Because you couldn't get caught. Right. He said that, um, now according to the CBS Las Vegas affiliate, KLAS-TV, the location would have been dozens of feet underwater by the 1980s. The Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department didn't immediately respond, though, for any comments. And by the way, though, this is not the first time human remains have emerged due to climate change. Eric Barterlink, he's a forensic anthropologist at California State University Chico Human Identification Lab. He told Insider um, in 2016 that him his team recovered remains in Folsom Lake. It's near Sacramento, California. Mm-hmm. The lake had receded so much that it was almost what would have been the middle of the lake. Um, oh, wow. And he and his team were ultimately able to identify the skeletal remains of a man found from Russia who had gone missing during the 1990s. For us, it's just really potentially more opportunities to find missing persons and more likelihood that certain cases are going to be discovered. It's just going to reveal more things that were in the water that you normally wouldn't have access to very easily. Mm-hmm. Burns told the insider that the melting glaciers due to warmer average global temperatures are also unveiling previously lost relics and remains. She pointed to work done within the last decade by the Hawaii-based joint POW-MIA Accounting Command. They've recovered remains of 52 service members who died when their military transport plane crashed into an Alaska mountain in 1952. Right, because as the glacier melts and the glaciers move, more material comes up to the surface. It's just... Well, hopefully they'll be able to close more cases because of finds like that. Right, right. It's just amazing. But rising temperatures, intensifying droughts, then wildfire, you know, there's not only wildfires, wildfires, (laughs) hurricanes, other extreme weather events um, that can mean additional fatalities, right? Mm -hmm. So droughts cause even more fatalities. And it ultimately more calls to these forensic anthropologists to come in and recover remains. So, for example, this team, besides recovering 
bring them in water, they also recovered wildfire victims from blazes in the 2018 Camp Fire in Paradise, California, or the Bear Fire in 2020. They really were victims of, again, climate change, mm-hmm. right? It's exasperating fire conditions and causing wildfires of unprecedented proportions in the state. So he estimates they've recovered over 120 victims after massive wildfires. And then once the remains are removed from the areas, they examined, identify them. Um, and unfortunately, that means they all have to see incredible amounts of loss. And I never thought about that. A forensic anthropologist, I'm thinking, yeah. is in Egypt digging for little right. bones and things. Uh-huh. And no, they're also identifying and finding human remains it within makes me fires, wonder, glaciers, does lakes. Does the world need more forensic anthropologists, perhaps? Well, you they know? do now that I mean, we're going to find more so. people, right? Yeah. So that they're not overtaxed? Just crazy. So, um, you know, now ancestral, um, ancestral. Ancestral as opposed to ancestral. I know, right? Let me say that right. Ancestral remains Uh in Hawaii, which are traditionally buried along the shore, are also under threat from rising sea levels and beach erosions. You know, they're eroding these burials. Human remains are going to start being exposed Mm -hmm. and washed away. So there's just so many things on the climate change that can really put... Uh, a difference into how uh, our crime is being solved. So mm-hmm. I guess there's, uh, you know, so many things I think about that. First of all, like, eeks, I do not even want to know what's in our little lake. Right. <laughs> I've, we've always, we've talked about it, some of the members out here. I think we should well, have drained it. And, yeah. And what would we find if we drained and it? And scraped it out. So I thought that was pretty unbelievable. And... On top of it, when I read this story, and Mm -hmm. of course, bodies are found in receding waters, in glaciers, that um, bodies that were buried along shorelines are going to be coming up. And it makes me think of the show, uh, the movie Poltergeist. So shout out to Jennifer Connor. Um, She, I was at her house and her little brother, Chris, I had a little crush on. <laughs> and we watched. Little Gale? Yeah, Little Gale. And we watched Poltergeist. And I don't know if you remember, though, uh, it rained and all those yes, bodies right. came out. And that's what this story reminds me of. <laughs> it's a little poltergeist. So. Yes. Anyway, there well, are um, a few stories for you today from, hey, guess what? Our podcast helped find. Our podcast? Britain- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, there are a few stories for us today. Our podcast has helped find um, a missing person. Okay, it wasn't our podcast, but we're so excited. Someone's podcast yeah, did, though. I know. No, that's we're good. so excited that yeah. Brittany's family might have some oh, closure, I right? So. Um, of course, you had the two girls that they're still, I mean, come mm-hmm. on, guys, we still don't have the actual person who did this, but we now know it's somebody pretty sick for those Mm -hmm. two girls in Indiana. And then that boy in the suitcase, let's really try to think about uh, Mm -hmm. praying for his soul. And, uh, And then, of course, be careful what you might find in the lakes out there, guys. I know. Gosh. I know. That's just creepy crazy. And I have a morbid fascination with 
crap like that. I know, right? So do our listeners. That's why we're so excited you listen. Thanks, everybody. By the way, we're tallying the results of Mayo versus Miracle Whip. We'll have them for you in one of the next episodes of Who Wins That $20 Gift Card. Woohoo! In the meantime, share. There's a button yeah, called click Share. Click it. Mm-hmm. Click it. And then click Follow. Yeah, subscribe. That's, that's an easy all one, too. All those things, too. Hey, by the way. You don't have to do anything else after that. And just so you all know, yeah. I, for whatever reason, because I'm on the website all the time and, or, and stuff, I had never hit subscribe, so I now subscribe. So <laughs> simply go to our website, hit subscribe. You'll help us out. Share it on social media. It really is such a simple thing to do, and it actually really, really does help. It so. does. And so I know if you're listening to this, me saying you never even have to listen. <laughs> <laughs> you, you listening to this, keep listening, damn it. And share it so other people do too. In the meantime, go get your frozen whip. And if you don't have a dairy shop by you, whip. just tell them. Half slushy, Say, half hey, vanilla ice cream. Have you ever heard of this? And then have them try it. They might just have a bestseller on their hands and they can make a little more money. And I, by the way, I did think I should be managing their social media. They should have... Back in the day when uh, Let Me Whip, Let Me Nene, they could have done some fun things. They uh-huh. still could. Let Me Whip, <laughs> Let Me Nene, Let Me Whip, Whip, Let Me Nene. Yeah, I, I'm sitting here because I'm thinking that sounds familiar, but I have no <laughs> idea what the hell she's talking about. On that note, for our audience who's now getting ready to whip and Nene, drive safe, don't be a habitual offender. That's a story for another time. Love you. See you later, guys. Bye-bye. What the hell? (laughs) That was funny. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Be sure to stay connected with us on social media at both Instagram and Facebook. Our Instagram is... Heroes Zeros Podcast. And Facebook... Heroes and Zeros, a true crime podcast. And you can listen to our podcast episodes or support or donate money to us. And you can send us your stories and just a lot more at our website, which is Heroes and Zeros, true crime.com. Again, that's Heroes and Zeros, true crime.com. And you can email us also at heroes to zeros and more. That's the number two, heroes to zeros and more at gmail.com. Exactly. And you can also support us at our Patreon site now, which is patreon.com slash heroes zeros. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.